welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we're going to uh, read the Bible reading together this morning. It's a short reading from Philippians, but it's a very encouraging reading. Uh, it'll be up on the screen, but uh, I'll just give you a moment to find it in your Bibles if you have that with you or any other way you can access the Bible. And uh, in a moment, we'll just stand together and read this wonderful passage. So it comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the... Let's read together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Peter. Morning, church. Who's had breakfast? Despite the beard, I'm still Dave Kilpatrick, and uh, it's a pleasure and a joy to be sharing with you today. I serve at Kerry as the Director of Ministries, and uh, we, are, we are continuing on with our series on discipleship. And we've been looking at what is a disciple, and now we're looking at the the theme of what difference does a disciple make? Have I got the Britney Spears on right, Dave? Is that coming through? Cool. I've got to juggle today, so I need to have my hands free. What difference does a disciple make? And today we're looking at gentleness. And when Pete was ordering the roster of speaking, he thought, who's the most gentle person I can find? Dis- Why are you laughing? Miranda? Who's the most gentle person I can find that never causes people to be embarrassed or threatened? Miranda. And uh, they were not available, so you've got me. I actually said to my mum, uh, she said, are you preaching on Sunday? I said, yeah. She said, what are you speaking on? I said, gentleness. She just laughed. <laughs> Thanks, mum. Now you know where I get it from. We're talking about gentleness. And what is gentleness? Is it being soft and delicate and small? You know those, those Kleenex ads where you eat the little fluffy duck and it's yellow and it's soft and it's, is that gentle? I was up at the farm over Easter, Von's uncle's farm, and it was lambing season. There's these tiny little lambs, and they're just born, and are they gentle? I think what was gentle was when the strong hands of the farmer would come in and pick up a lamb that was sick, and whose mum had died, and would carry to the ute and take it back so it could be hand-fed. It wasn't the lamb who was gentle, it was the strong hands of the farmer that would come around the lamb. Or in the duckling's case, it would be the hands of someone who came and and picked up with strength and capacity and power to pick up the duckling and put it back in its nest. Gentleness is not an absence of strength. Gentleness is strength under control or mastered. It's been described as having hard hands but a soft touch. But gentleness is relative. Gentleness is relative. If I had to, for example, move 
that vase with that hammer, I could do it in a number of ways. But if I was going to move it like that, I would need to be gentle. Because if I wasn't gentle, it would break. And it's Von's vase. And if it broke, she would not be gentle. And a hammer is not something we need to be gentle with. It's hard, it's solid, you can't do a lot of damage. But if you're not careful, on certain circumstances, a hammer can be a place, the strongest and most powerful people can be in a place when they're vulnerable. And at times, even with something that seems strong, there is a place of vulnerability. And we need to be careful. So you think the vase is the thing that we need to be gentle with. But what about if I had an egg? Now, Brent, this is actually a raw egg. So can you just hold that for a minute? Because I need to... Uh... Thanks, mate. What about if I needed to be able to get this egg out of the vase? It was firstly the vase we needed to be gentle with. But if I need to try and get the egg out of the vase, I've, I've got to be really careful. Otherwise, I'm going to do some damage with it. Bren, can I have that back? Thanks. But so the egg, we need to be gentle with. But what about, what about if I wanted to try and catch a bubble with an egg. You have to be really gentle. I've tried it lots. I've never been able to do it. Kids, that will keep you occupied for hours. Don't do it on the carpet. Gentleness. It's a question of relativity. One, at times, and different places and different situations, we all need to be gentle. Probably the two greatest leaders in the Bible, arguably, were Moses and Jesus. Moses overcame the most powerful person on earth in Pharaoh and rescued a nation that had been in slavery for 400 years and led them through the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus came and conquered sin and death and rose from the dead and changed the world. And these are the only two men in the Bible that are described as meek. Now, meek's not a word we use very often anymore, but meek is really a combination of gentleness and humility. Gentleness and humility. These incredible leaders. Moses was described as the most meek person or the humble and gentle person on the face of the earth. Jesus described himself as gentle. Perhaps the most extraordinary act of gentleness the world has ever seen is when the creator of heaven and earth, the one who calmed the storm, the one who raised the dead, the one who was able to order legions of angels, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross that we celebrate at Easter. And rather than retaliating, rather than getting even, he stayed there and said, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Gentleness is strength under control. As I was preparing for this, I was actually really challenged by the number of scriptures that talk about gentleness. In 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26, 
Paul is writing to Timothy and talking about the Lord's servant, the, the, the pastor, the leader, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 2 Corinthians 10, 1, now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. James 3.17, real wisdom. God's wisdom begins with a holy life and characterised by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable. Matthew 5.5, 5, blessed are the meek, the gentle and the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Galatians 5.22-23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. Ephesians 4, 1-2, as prisoners of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, and patient. There's so much written about gentleness. Now, here's a question for you. I want you to take 30 seconds just to think about this. Share it with the person next to you. If you're not with someone you know and you don't feel like making a new friend, that's fine. But, but when was the last time you experienced or witnessed a significant act of someone being gentle? When was the last time you witnessed or experienced a significant act of someone being gentle? How many people didn't have one that immediately came to mind? There's a few. So what inhibits us from being gentle? What are the things that make us difficult? For some, it's easier than for others. Some of you are gentle souls out there. I'm not. Gentleness does not come naturally to me. I need to work at it. And I think we can be gentle because we don't, I think we can fail to be gentle at times because we just don't understand our strength and our power and our size. I got Luke's permission to, to share this story, but he'd been at year seven camp and I was walking past at the school and they'd got back and he was over near the auditorium and I hear this, dad! And I was so delighted because he'd called out. So I went over there and he was with his two mates and said, "Go, boys! And Luke said, Dad, why do you have to be so terrifying? <laughs> See, I don't think I'm terrifying. My office manager at the law firm said to me once, you know the article clerks are terrified of you. And I think I'm the least terrifying person I know. <laughs> and I've had to learn that actually I can be terrifying. And I don't mean to be terrifying. I don't want to be terrifying. But if we're not aware of the place. I, I, I act as the director of ministries of this organisation. I have to be really aware that just because of my position, I have power that can be really damaging to people if I'm not gentle. I, I think we can also fail to be gentle because we don't actually feel powerful. We can fail to be gentle when we're frustrated or tired or irritated or feel like we're out of control. It's really easy to be gentle with your child when they're first born. 
But when you've got four under six and the youngest has just gone to sleep and the elders are starting to bang something and the two in the middle are around two and they're driving you crazy and you haven't slept, at that point in time, it's really hard to be gentle. And at that point, I don't feel like I've got a whole lot of power and control. I feel like the edges are unravelling. And yet we're called to be gentle. I think sometimes the hardest place to be gentle for some of us is with ourselves. I think often we're much more gentle with others than we are with ourselves. And Jesus says, come to me. All you are tired and heavy burdened. Take my yoke upon you, not yours. Yours is too heavy. Take mine and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I, I, I've had to work at trying to be gentle. I've had to work at that. My, my, my regrets in my life, my failures in my life are not the cases I've lost as a lawyer or the, 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 the failure to get the shot in basketball or any issues I've had at work. My greatest regrets and my failures of gentleness. My failures to be kind and my failures to be gentle. And unfortunately, the people that usually are impacted by that the most are the people that I love the most, my kids and my wife. Because the capacity for power is usually more able to be compromised the closer we are to people. I've had to learn, and I'm still learning what it means to be gentle. But the scriptures call us to be gentle. Another question for you. You may want to share this one, you may not. But what are the circumstances, what are the situations that you are most likely to struggle in being gentle? Just take 30 seconds. What are the situations where you are most likely to struggle in responding gently, in being gentle to yourself? File that one away for a moment. Did anyone have a difficulty in trying to think of a situation where gentleness can be a challenge? I think that's an easier one to think of. So how do we be gentle? We're called to be gentle. Jesus is gentle. God is gentle. He tells us time and time and time again to be gentle. How do we do it? Well, let's go back to the scripture that Peter read out for us. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, he says. I want you to get this. This is his final exhortation to the letter to the Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord when you've had enough to sleep and all of your children are doing the right thing and you're nailing at work. 
Rejoice in the Lord always when the neighbour is not waking up at 6.30 in the morning revving his Harley when you've only gone to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning because your kids have been up. No, rejoice in the Lord when you're feeling in control and at peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be evident to those people who are on the same football team as you, but not, surely, to those who support Collingwood. Peter Scott, I know, he's a pastor. Let your gentleness be evident to those who hold the same religious views of you or the same views about your own religion. Let your gentleness be evident to those who are really nice people. No, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Even the Collingwood supporters, Pete, I love you, mate, you're a beautiful guy. You've got a lousy taste in football, but you're allowed to, and I just want you to feel safe <laughs> and at peace, okay, because you're a great dad and husband, a wonderful pastor. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident to all. How the heck do we do that? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now, if we're not careful, we can read that. I've got to be gentle. God's near. He's going to whack me. <laughs> no. No. Be, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. This is a, a series on discipleship. This is a series about following Jesus. This Lord who is near is Jesus, the one who created heaven and earth. He is the one that was at the beginning. He is the one that came to live amongst humanity to show them the love of God. He is the one that calmed the storm, that healed the sick, that raised the dead. He is the one that allowed himself to be nailed to a cross to save humanity. He is the one who he said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. He is the one that has said, I will never leave you. God's love through him is so wide and high and deep. And why? That nothing can separate it from us. That is the one who is near. It is the one who said, come to me, I am gentle and humble. That is the one who is there. It's not the one who's wanting to catch you out. See, when we're feeling out of control, he is never out of control. When we're feeling alone and abandoned, he knows what that's like and he is near. When we're feeling fragile and vulnerable, he is our strength and security. When we are feeling like everything is falling apart, he is holding all of creation. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the one who is near. That is how we can allow our gentleness to be evident. Do you notice he says, make sure you are gentle to all. He doesn't say that. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. He assumes that we've got it. He assumes that we've got it. Now, we've got it for two reasons. One, because we were made in God's image and nature, and God is gentle. But more importantly, because as followers of Jesus, he's writing to the church. He's writing to those who are disciples of Jesus. More importantly, we have the Spirit of God as disciples of Jesus within us. And the fruit of the Spirit includes gentleness. So it is there. It is a fruit of the practice of following and walking with Jesus. 
But it's also something we have to do. It's also something we have to do. In Ephesians 4, 1 to 2, Paul is pleading, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you. You can see he's just saying, live a life worthy of the calling you have received, the calling of carrying God's heart and nature and ministry of reconciliation to this world, of being restored to life and hope. Live a life that is worthy of this calling that you have received. And what does that life look like? Be completely humble, gentle, and patient. Who's, got, who's that? God's lust. I'm really struggling with the gentle and patience, but I'm pretty proud of my humility. I reckon I've got that one sussed. I just wish it would hurry up and get the others. Be completely humble and gentle and patient. That is a command to me. Now, if I'm going to... I've got to tell you, I probably struggle with all of these. Um, patience. If I'm going to learn patience, I'm not going to learn it by everything coming to me as soon as I want it. I'm going to learn patience by needing to be forced to slow down and to wait. I'm not going to learn perseverance by being really good at everything as soon as I pick it up, or being successful at everything, or never enduring hardship, I'm going to learn perseverance by struggle and failure, by trying and missing it and getting up and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. I'm going to learn perseverance by trying to learn how it is to be a dad to four beautiful, crazy, passionate kids with their own personalities who don't seem to want to do what I want them to do. Go figure. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't want to do what I want you to do all the time. Sometimes, but not all the time. I'm going to learn perseverance by, by trying to achieve things that are difficult against opposition and struggle and difficulty that have the capacity to drive me crazy and says, why can't this just go? And God's saying, I'm trying to teach you perseverance. I'm not going to learn gentleness by living in a Kleenex tissues ad with little fluffy ducklings. I'm going to learn gentleness by being in situations where I'm tired and frustrated and I feel like I'm out of control. I'm going to learn gentleness by being in conflict with people, by people disagreeing with me, by people accusing me and criticising me. And in that situation, I can have the alternative of exerting myself and trying to impose my control back on the situation. But if I do that, I just get loud and violent. terrifying bloke just by saying hello or I can rejoice in the Lord always and I can realise that this is an opportunity to exercise my gentleness muscles and I can say Lord Jesus would you help me to be gentle see we're talking about discipleship we need to understand where Jesus is taking us See, Jesus is taking us to a place where we will love our enemies, where we will do good to those who hurt us, where we will bless those who persecute us, where we will pray for those who do us damage. That is what Jesus did on the cross. That is where he is taking us. 
And so we have a different picture of sufferings and trials and difficulties. In James 1, 2-4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many of you, with really small children, you've finally wrangled the team, you're 10 minutes late, you walk out, and one person vomits all over the front. How many of you go, oh, Jesus, this is a joy? Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not only so, but in Romans 5, 3 to 5, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. So all of these difficulties that we face all of the time can be seen as things we need to avoid, things we need to control, things we need to impose ourselves, or they can be exercises in developing maturity. I say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this difficulty. Help me to be gentle in it. Lord, thank you for you also were persecuted and mocked and scorned. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to love someone who's not being very loving to me. I'm not very good at it. Would you help me? If I've learned anything over the last period of, of being married is, is that as I lean into the difficulties of life, as I rest into them and say, Lord, would you just do in me what you're wanting to do? I look back on them as joy, not because they were nice, but because of what God does in me as I move forward. So gentleness, really important. Jesus is gentle. God is gentle. He calls us to be gentle. He gives us his spirit, and it's the fruit of the spirit that gives us gentleness. But how do we do it? What are some steps that are going to help us practice gentleness? Number one, remember the Lord, that Lord, creator of heaven and earth, died on the cross, gentle, loves, never away from you, is always near. You're never alone. The world may be falling apart, but he has still got it. There is no grief or depth that you can plummet to that he does not hold you. I think number two is remember, sometimes inanimate objects cause me not to be gentle, but often it's people. For me, the inanimate objects, it's that pile of baking trays right back in the corner of the cupboard. And who, who suffers inanimate object rage? Come on, time for confession. This is a safe place. Brothers, I hear you. Uh, women have a gift. They're, they're tray whisperers. Come to me. Fuck! But apart from inanimate object race, usually the things that cause us difficulties are people. What they say, what they do, throwing eggs at you in the middle of church when you're meant to be listening. And other than remembering that God is near, we can also remember that the creator of all heaven and earth that is near me finds that this person who is annoying the heck out of me, is just as precious as I am. He loves them just as much as he loves me. Thing number three that I think we can do well to remember is that every single person we encounter carries a story and a burden that is deeper and heavier than we comprehend. 
There's one thing I've learned from pastoral ministry is that everyone has a burden. Everyone carries the pain of their story. Everyone is struggling through difficulties that usually we just do not see. One of the privileges of this role is being invited into some of that story with some of you. When we encounter someone who's just driving us crazy, you know, that checkout operator that just cannot get going. I've got a meeting to get to. and I don't have issues. This person is loved by God. And if we can work on the basis that generally people are doing the best they possibly can with the cards that they've been dealt. And when we interact with them, we're not just interacting with that moment, we're interacting with their story and their journey. And generally people's story and journey needs love and tenderness and gentleness. I think another thing that's really important in this process, so we've got remember that God is near, remember that the person, other than the trays, I don't think God loves trays, but the person that we're getting frustrated with is just as precious to God as I am. Remember that we're interacting with their story and they carry a burden heavier than we comprehend. But the other thing that I think is really helpful is to live a life that is self-reflective. To live a life of contemplation. To live a life that examines what is going on in me. Because if we don't do that, we are likely to just blame it on the other. They made me angry. They made me, they did this, they did that. And I never stop to say, why, why did that upset me? Why am I reacting that way? What is, what is going on in me? We need to stop and slow down and think, why did I react like that? This is someone that I love dearly. Why, why would I do that? If there is a failure of gentleness by me, it is always my failure. It is never the fault of anyone else. It is always my failure. I'll say that again. If there is a failure of gentleness, it is my failure. Because ultimately when it comes down to it, I realise that I am incapable of loving the way Jesus called me to love. And we all are. We don't beat ourselves up about it, but if all we do is blame it on the other, we will never grow because we remove responsibility. But if we say, why, what is going on in me that I react like that? Really quick story. Um, Vonnie and I had only just been married. We're going on a picnic and, and Von, Von was just getting some plastic bits and pieces to the picnic and just some and put it in a plastic bag and off we would go. And I was having a meltdown. I, I, there was something in me that just reacted abhorrently to the idea of just cobbling a few things together and putting them in a plastic bag and going on a picnic. I wanted a basket with stuff organised. And, and fortunately in that situation, my reaction was so over the top in comparison to the insignificance of it, I had to think, what is going on? And I realised because my mum was really unwell, uh, she had a nervous breakdown the day she was married. And, and home life was often chaotic. And, 
and the cobbling together and just scrabbling something together just took me back to a time at home that just did not seem to be together. And, and, and I needed to understand this was not Von's fault. This was not about knives and forks. This was about a, a wound, a difficulty in me. Guys, it's always in here. If the problem is out there, we've misplaced it. And I think the last thing we can do is remember that gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness requires extraordinary strength. And it needs to be developed. And it needs to be practiced. I think we can do with more gentleness in the world. I wonder what the witness of the church would be like in the world if rather than strident voices, the church was known for its gentleness. In politics, in media, in sport, in business, gentleness is not lauded. In the commentary on social media, how often is it anything but gentle? It's strident and aggressive and harsh and we keep raising our voices and people keep moving apart. I wonder what would happen if we started to soften our voice and speak gently. I wonder if people would start to come back together. And unfortunately, often that is amongst the Christian people who are commentating and talking. Husbands, if you want a better marriage, be more gentle to your wife. If you want to be a better marriage, practice gentleness to your wife. Dads, if you want a better relationship with your kids, practice being gentle. Wives, if you're wanting a better relationship with your husbands, be gentle. Sometimes we might look like we're pretty hard and got it under control, but often we're not. To make it really clear, if there is stuff that's going on that shouldn't be going on, if there is oppression or other stuff that's creating, if there's stuff that's going on that shouldn't be going on, gentleness does not mean you put up with that. It might mean with strength that you gently get help. We all have gentleness. What if we could be a community that was gentle? The pain in this world does not require correction. It requires healing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are gentle. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of gentleness. Lord, we thank you that you place your spirit in our hearts. Lord, I thank you that I have been on a journey of learning what it means to be gentle. Lord, I pray as a community of faith that you would teach us to be gentle, that we would lean into the difficulties of being gentle and we would rejoice always for you are near. Lord, your gentleness is beautiful. We thank you that we do not need to strive, we do not need to struggle, we do not need to make it ourselves, but we can rest into your strength, your goodness and your beauty. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you will complete the work that you have started within us. 
In Jesus' name, amen.